Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and we're here with the Jets fallout episode. That's right. The Giants lost to the Jets. Demoralizing loss. They blew the game 13-10 in overtime. A lot of questionable decisions late. A lot of people harping on the fact that they did not pass. Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Tommy DeVito came in. Uh, to me, that's I have no problem with that. The reason they didn't throw, the philosophy was more uh, just don't lose the game, and they're winning the whole second half, so I have no problem with it. We're going to talk to Bobby Skinner later on. He has a problem with Daniel Jones not being the back, the backup. That's right. So Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants, he called me out on Twitter. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. We got a little, we got a little ri- friendly rivalry going there. A little name calling went on on Twitter from his end. Uh, actually, you know what? From both ends, used. I, I kind of fired back a little bit. So we'll uh, we'll hash it out here. Stay tuned for that in a few minutes. I'm going to run through some nuggets though. Okay, after we talk about what happened in that game for just one second, and then the trade deadline. So the Giants lost that game. My only real complaint. But at the end of that game is I would have liked to fourth and one from the 17-yard line of the Jets with about 30 seconds left, go for the one yard and end the game. The tush push, by the way, is one of the most successful plays in football, even for the Giants. they they Yes, they had two guys injured and they, they didn't convert one. But if my math is right, they've converted like seven of eight over the last two years or six of eight. Those are really high percentages. Or just give the ball to Saquon Barkley. How about even better? Run the uh, tush-push with Saquon Barkley as the quarterback. Anyway, they kick a field goal, miss. My problem with the field goal is it wouldn't have given him a two-touchdown lead. I'm all for kicking a field goal if it gives you a two-score lead. But this did it. So to me, it was like, eh, the best outcome was you end the game. So field goal wouldn't end the game. Yes, they had a 99% chance of winning either way. But if I, that's the case, I want to try to end the game. So anyway, Daniel, here's, let's, let's run through, through some nuggets. That was an awful loss. Giants at 2-6. and six, Traded Leonard Williams as a result. That's the only move they made, the move they had to make. They basically paid $10 million or almost the $9-plus million of Leonard Williams' salary that they could pay and bought two draft picks, which... Hey, you can't complain about that. Ownership is willing to pay for a second round draft pick, essentially. That's good draft capital going into next year. You're two and six. Move you got to make. I would have traded more guys, but they kind of drew the line there. We'll get to that in a second. Let's rip through some nuggets here. Daniel Jones is back. Basically, no limitations. We know he missed a bunch of games with a neck injury. You would think he would come back and play a little bit more on the cautious side, but listen to this quote, what he told me. I asked him about this. He said, I'm going to continue to be aggressive and look for opportunities when they're there and then be smart, get down, and protect myself also. That is something I've always tried to do and try to continue to improve at. So, yeah, that won't change. I'm not worried, he later added. So, I don't think we're going to see a more cautious Daniel Jones. I think we're going to see the same Daniel Jones. Now, granted, he was hurt on a sack. But still, you would think when someone comes back from a second neck injury, you might play it a little more cautious, especially with running and getting down and not taking any hits at all. But it doesn't sound like Daniel Jones is going to do that. He's back. Tyrod Taylor's out. I expect Taylor to be out a little while. 
Uh, also, potential he lands on injured reserve. Um, Darren Waller, also out, uh, likely several weeks. This was always the risk with Darren Waller, right? You know, he comes with an injury history. Uh, last year, we're back, they're back to now. Daniel Jones is back this week, and Andrew Thomas is likely back too. Uh, he's trending in the right direction. Evan Neal also, I would expect to be back. So you're going to have an offensive line likely of Andrew Thomas at left tackle with Justin Pugh at left guard. So now your left side, is you feel pretty good about it. John Michael Schmitz, the rookie center in the middle with Ben Bredesen and Evan Neal on the right side. So Bredesen back at guard. Also, he was there last week. Makes you feel better. He he is a solid guard. He's a competent guard in the NFL. Mark Lewinsky, kind of the odd man out likely in this situation, even though he's played really well, undeserving, but uh, somebody has to be out and it's probably not going to be Bredesen because he just did whatever the Giants needed and moved positions. And even even though it wasn't in his best interest, I mean, he's going to become a free agent. And he went in center where clearly he's not as good a center. And then Justin Pugh, who just signed, he's in, he didn't come here to sit on the bench. He signed to be their starting left guard. Uh, so, you know, he deserves an opportunity to be there. And if not, like, you know, he'll just retire. He's not going to come here to sit on the bench and not play. It's like he wasn't going to sit on the practice squad and not play. So that's like your starting offensive line, which is an upgrade and it's much better. But now the offense is back to looking like it did last year because there's no Darren Waller. So they just can't get everybody on the field at the same time with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, Andrew Thomas. They literally have been on the field for one game together. That was the opener when they happened to lose 40 to something. So not that it helped there. Uh, let's go to the trade deadline real quick. Leonard Williams deal, deal the Giants had to make. Seattle actually was one of several teams that were involved. Another one I had heard was Detroit. So the fact that the Giants were able to uh, up the ante on what they got in return, I think that's why you see them with a second and fifth round pick. There was a market for Leonard Williams. Uh, the Giants kind of brought it to him too and said, I don't really get it because what is he going to say no when Shane gets a good offer? But I think they just tried to make him feel like he was involved in the process. Uh, and he said, okay, you know, if, if there's a trade out there and, you know, it makes sense for you guys, you know, and it's a place that I don't mind going for sure, definitely do it. So that's how he ends up in Seattle. It's interesting to think, though, what if he said no? I mean, they're going to trade him anyway, aren't they? They get this good offer. You got to trade him because the reality is Leonard Williams wasn't going to resign here because Leonard, the Giants already signed Dexter Lawrence. And how much money are you really going to put into the interior defense line? You know, you got other positions. You got uh, safety. Xavier McKinney is going to have to get paid. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have to get paid down the line. Uh, you, you know, you, you have to add more pieces elsewhere. Obviously, offensive line, they're going to have to add a big offensive lineman in free agency. So, do you really want to put more money into? The interior of the defensive line with Leonard Williams is probably going to get paid. Answer, probably no. And even if they really do want to, they could take the draft picks and then sign Leonard Williams because he's a free agent. So that is possible. Adoree Jackson, they would have moved him as well. Not really a market for him. Here's what you have to think. He's, he hasn't been playing particularly well and he's been banged up. So it's hard. And he makes a decent amount of money. So a team maybe would give you 
you know, like let's say at best a sixth, seventh rounder isn't really worth that for the Giants to get a sixth or seventh rounder. I mean, that's basically maybe less than you'll get when he goes and signs a new deal as a free agent this offseason in regards to the comp formula. So I'm not really sure that would be worthwhile. Uh, there really was no true market for Adoree Jackson from what I was told. Saquon Barkley, uh, they did receive calls. The Giants did not want to move him. We'll talk about that more uh, as we move forward here. Paris Campbell, another one people had mentioned of trades. Like they just There wasn't anything there. I, I haven't heard anything, at least, that there was any interest in Paris Campbell at this point because he has not done anything this year and really what are you going to get for him? So, uh, And now I would have gone out and really cleaned house here because you're not going anywhere. You're two and six, even though I know schedule's easier. Uh, you have six games. Next six games, only one team, the Dallas Cowboys, has a winning record. One team. But the Giants care about the product on the field. Ownership cares about the product that they're going to put on the field for the rest of the season. Coach cares about the product he's going to put on the field for the rest of the season. Because if he doesn't, he's going to end up like Joe Judge. Right? Joe Judge at Jake Fromm, who, by the way, worse than Tommy DeVito, out there, couldn't do anything on offense, and next thing you know, you know, he's out in year two. Now, he didn't make the playoffs in year one. He didn't have the success that Brian Dable had in year one. I get it. But you, you are, I think you understand the point. You don't want to put out that kind of product. The Giants' ownership, John Mara, cares about the product that's put out even in a lost season. And you could say that's dumb. They needed to trade Saquon. That's their best move. They didn't want to put an offense on the field that was incapable of doing anything and embarrassing, and then they become a running joke. I do believe that factored into the equation to not trade Saquon Barkley. Also, I put a PSA out there recently. Remember, Saquon Barkley is not necessarily a free agent that's going to hit the market. The Giants have the franchise tag, so there's a good chance he's back next year in some way, shape, or form, either on that one-year franchise tag deal or he has even less leverage. Maybe at this point he has no choice but to accept a deal like the Giants offered this past offseason. So the likelihood is that Saquon Barkley is going to be back here for the short term again after this year. With that being said, let's get into it with my man, Bobby Skinner. Actually, he's not my man. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, this week we have to bring in 
Bobby Skinner, who used to be my buddy, used to be my pal. I don't know if he still is. We'll find that in a few minutes. But the moral of the story is Bobby was very upset about everything that had happened on Sunday, which you, you, that's understandable. Uh, but he was going on and on about this Daniel Jones getting cleared on Sunday and not being able to play and be available as the backup. So he got his panties in a bunch. And, uh, you know, I, I tweeted at him a little bit, gave him a little taste of his own medicine. And Bobby re- responded by calling me a D-Watt. So, Bobby, defend yourself here. Uh, first, state your case. Thanks for coming on. I do appreciate it. But state your case. I can, let me hear out your complaint, and we'll, we'll talk it out. Like well, usually men. you get my like text men and with, with, without Without the name calling. Or if you want, you can do the name calling. I don't, my, I don't, my well, feelings won't get hurt. It's like three times a year, I just get really fired up on social media. It's like the other 362 days, I'm like, eh, let it roll off my back. But the Daniel Jones news around it, right? And we just saw the Giants have to play a quarterback who they, again, not didn't want to live for a little bit, just decided we're not letting this throw at all. And defenses were playing them like a wildcat. And then you we'll find get out. get to that he, in a minute because that, that has as much to do with the situation as it did Tommy DeVito. But yeah, so ahead. and then you find out Daniel Jones is, was cleared uh, for contact before the game. And then it's what gets me fired up isn't that if someone disagrees with me, it's that people missing the point I'm making because people start being like, oh, well, he was ruled out. But I was like, yeah, but why was he ruled out when the week before he was ruled questionable? Right. And I was right. getting fired. I didn't even see what you tweeted either, by the way. Uh, Art Art was like saying some stuff and I wasn't even like mad at Art either. I was just replying like I disagree with this. And then uh, you use my dense quote, and I just, I just got okay, okay, it's on. <laughs> you're the, but you're the one guy I'm comfortable insulting publicly like that. So I felt like, well, you, know you, want, you, you kind of wanted me to go back and forth, like you, that, that was. So we'll give the, you know, the the inside uh, football thing here between me and you is basically I respond to you, you respond to me, but yet we're sitting there, we're texting on the side, and I'm like, I can't, you know, I'm not going back at it anymore. Like that's just. I can't do that. Just, we had the public on your side, which is like rare, right? Like usually it's like I can, I, can, I can get people against the reporters, but this was the rare time that you had, well, that's had why, the public on that's your why side. I had, that's why I had to do it because you were the one out there whining like a little, you know, a little baby for a little bit. And so it was easy to just be like, come on, Bobby, like you're being dense. Here, here's my point on the whole situation, right? And I get it. You're right. The whole questionable thing the week before, but that was probably bogus, right? Part of Brian Dable was like, remember when Saquon, Injured his ankle and he's hey he's a chance to play. Right. Uh, they played on Thursday. That they week. always play you games. All know the... it. We all knew it wasn't true. Well, Daniel Jones wasn't going to play the week before. He was questionable, but literally nobody I know thought he was going to play. Right. So he was basically out and eventually didn't play. So this week they decided, we, like he wasn't cleared all week. We're just going to rule him out. We're not going to play that game. And he ends up getting cleared on Sunday. But and my point to you is you're being dense is because the reality was. They really didn't want to bring him back for that game, right? He didn't practice all week. Uh, it's a it's a neck injury. They didn't want to put him in that situation against a really good defense in a tough spot where you know he's going to take a lot of hits. It, it was just a bad spot, especially when you're you're not a hundred percent cleared. You don't even know if the guy's going to play. So at that point, right, they decided to rule him out. The point that I'm making though is that yeah, he's not good. Like you don't know if he's going to play. So. Tyrod Taylor is the starter. He's like the first team reps in practice absolutely matter, right? And Tyrod's one of the better backups in the NFL. It's to me, people saying, well, they don't want to play. They didn't feel like playing that game. Well, it's not a game because 
we're not talking about like a coach trying to save his job being like, yeah, he, he can go out there and play. We're talking about like a third party doctor saying he is medically cleared for contact. Like no more waiting does any good. So, hey, he didn't prepare as a starter, but have him as QB too. And you look at what they did in the second half. I'm not, I wasn't asking to say, hey, go do seven step uh, drops and go and take hits. But like, I think they win the game if DJ's QB2 in that emergency situation, which is the reason they why you didn't address want him. to put him in that game. That's why you rule him but out. Why not? Because it was a bad, it was going to be a tough situation for a guy but, coming back from an injury. Like, yeah, but he's coming back from, but he, but he, but he, but he, he was. It's a neck injury. No, but I, so it's, I, I'm it's not, not like an ankle sprain where you I'm can play on an ankle I'm talking about a tough situation sprain. in regards to the playing environment. It just wasn't the environment you want to bring a guy back from but, who you want, you need to be healthy the rest of the season. Look what happened to Tyrod Taylor. He got injured. You, he was going to take a ton of hits in the game. Giants, by the way, they barely threw the ball. They got pressured eight times on 18 dropbacks and had four sacks. If they go back and pass, whoever's at quarterback, by the way, did Tyrod Taylor have any success? Literally zero. Because the game environment was going to be so difficult for their quarterback. They knew that. Their offensive line, they were playing Tyree Phillips and Justin Pugh at tackle. Like, it wasn't going to be good, and it ended up being rainy. Like, they were going to get dominated up front. Their quarterback was going to take a ton of hits. You don't want your quarterback to be taking a ton of hits off a neck injury, even if he's just cleared. Like, when your quarterback comes back off a neck injury, you're probably scheming a little bit to avoid hits, even when he does come back. So that was okay. was not the game environment where you want to put him back in. I really do. Look, this is just my opinion. Nobody flat out said this to me, but I got that impression all week. They did not want him coming back for that Jets game. Again, I view it. I viewed it though as an emergency QB two. Where again, you don't. I don't. Don't drop back and go crazy. But again, t- the defense was playing them like they were in the Wildcat. Where even if you're handing the ball off three times, you know, four times out of five, with Daniel Jones at quarterback, they their safeties at least have to like. I mean, they were putting 10 guys in the box towards the end of the game. And they literally, they I think they win the game if Daniel Jones plays, I mean, even if he only if throws the ball, even if he throws the, the ball only too, nine though. times. Let's be honest. They had a 99% chance of winning. There was no time yeah. in the second half that where I said they should go back and throw the ball. Like the move yeah, they at lost. that point was to not throw the ball. Right, but they lost and they got put in overtime. But they lost like, not okay. because they didn't throw the ball. They lost because they screwed up the end of the game. But... They missed if, a field goal. They, but they passed you can't the ask a defense to, to be perfect for 60 minutes, which is essentially what they were outside. Of, like, you have to realize at some point they may get half a bit of offense to get in field goal range, right? Like, they're they're lucky that they didn't get score on another drive. Like, having that type of expectation of your defense is just unrealistic. And again, you say, well, Not they didn't want to put him in that environment. Well, what, that what, why are they bringing him it back wasn't. versus the Raiders then? What, what What is the difference between this week and the Raiders besides rain? It is a much... It's a much better landing spot for Daniel Jones. Much softer landing spot. He's not going. Still going to have Max Crosby destroying. He's not going to go out there and take ten or twelve hits in like half in a half of a football game, which would have happened if he went back and threw the ball against the the Jets. It just it just was. But he's going to take hits though. Yeah, but they get the scheme. They have a whole game plan in place to basically. You know, make it so that he's not, first of all, their offensive line should be in a lot better shape. That's another part of the argument. Andrew Thomas is likely to be back. There's a lot of people who have said he should come back when Andrew Thomas comes back. And that's probably when he is coming back. It's such a weird game that we're playing, though, where it's like, oh, well, we got to make sure everything's perfect for him. to. And again, I didn't want him to come back as a starter and I didn't want him to come back and throw the ball 25 times. Why would you want him to come back at all? Either you come back as a starter, you don't come back at all. Because he didn't prepare as a starter. He didn't prepare as a starter throughout the week. 
He's an if emergency not, backup you're not quarterback. Be able to game and he's plan. a he's a much better option than Tommy DeVito. Because I mean, Tommy DeVito wasn't preparing for the Jets really out, you know, nothing more than DJ did. Um and, and again, that, they couldn't they literally that, couldn't throw that throw shocks me. That's an that's another part of the conversation. Brian Dable gives zero reps to his backup quarterbacks. Zero which, first team reps. Which, which some I other people do. I don't, I don't but hate, I, but again, I think it's a crazy concept. You should give the guy like two or three reps out of if you're running, let's say 30 reps, why not just give the backup two or three? To yeah, give I mean, zero. I, I, and I know he's not the only coach, but to give yeah, a guy I, zero is crazy to me. I don't mind that. My issue was having Tommy DeVito as your backup for three weeks when, again, Matt Barkley knows the system, he would have fit right. And again, Barkley's not great, but you can at least ask him to run it some type of offense. And he's even come in in relief for the Bills at times and looked halfway decent. I don't think Matt Barkley would have been able to come into that game situation and look somewhat decent. And the only no, things I don't that say, would have, I, the only would have happened against, against the Jets is something bad. But Matt we, Barkley like, would we, have zero success in that spot. My point has always been that they're not going to go out there and start slinging the ball. Like that pass defense really good. But they were playing the Giants run game like they were running Wildcats. I mean, like I did, I I went, I was looking at the film this morning. They had 10 guys in the box, like in the second half of the game. Yeah, for good reason. And the Giants were still moving the ball, which was pretty, were they? pretty, they, pretty good. They had like, they had like they had a couple points. drives. They had one they had, drive because of penalty. They had two good drives. They had two good drives. The one to start the set. We're talking about the second half when DeVito's in. We're talking those drives. Well, actually, they didn't have any good drives really with Tyrod either, but we're at it. But they had a good drive to start the second half. And they had another drive late. Yeah, due to where, penalty. Where, Sa- where Saquon was running the ball. Fairly well, right? So I mean, my two, two again, it's my point has been like we're not dealing with like a sprained ankle where it's like always oh, coming back too early from like with the third part. It's like rest does no more good once you're medically cleared from that type of injury. You know, it's not like oh, we got to get the ankle. Like you could you could play on the sprained ankle, but you're good. But like when people say oh, you don't mess around with next, I agree. That's what the third part is there to not mess around. And but once he's cleared. He is clear to play. Resting another week doesn't do any any, any better. Any yeah, but doesn't putting him do in a situation better. where you know he's going to take a lot of hits is just not advisable. How is that? Okay, but what if he came back? To what, if, what if this was one week earlier? So then you don't play him versus the Jets again because Andrew Thomas isn't playing. I think I think it's ha- something either a they have to consider is this a good spot to bring him back in where he could be end up getting re injured if he ends up taking you know seven or eight sacks. Yeah. You have well, to then you, can, you just it. can't or, play him against the Cowboys or, in two weeks. Or then. then you, but or you spend the whole week and you game plan around it. Okay, we have to avoid him taking a lot of hits in this game, and they, they didn't have that opportunity because it was uh, that he was not available throughout the week. So I, I okay. don't know. I just, I just, uh, to me, it it seems like nitpicking in retrospect, especially when the Giants. But I think it's a difference between a win and a loss. You probably considered it too. You probably considered him a really good option, Tyrod Taylor, going into the game. Yeah, again, I didn't want DJ as the backup or the starter. Like he he needed it. But that doesn't make any sense. You want him to be oh, if he's clear, but he could he could play just not as a starter. If he's gonna play, just play him as a starter. Well, he didn't pre- he didn't prepare as QB one throughout the week. You could have prepared him as QB one if you really But they didn't know to. he would clear. That's why at that point you're just better off saying, you know what, let's wait till he's fully cleared. We have a whole week he was fully to get ready. No, but I mean when he's fully cleared during the week, we have a whole week to prepare as if he's our quarterback and work around. Okay, but do you do you agree that if DJ plays as the backup, they probably win the game? I do agree, but it was it, you're talking about what's best for the laundry. I bet what's I'm talking about what's best for the player, the human being. I know you don't care about that because you root for the laundry, right? You're a laundry sniffer. You're 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 doing it from a Giants perspective. What about from a human perspective? Was it a good idea for Daniel Jones to be in that game in that game environment? 
I don't think it's any worse than playing the Cowboys in two weeks once he's medically cleared. But he's and again, like it was an emergency. Ba- and again, like you could have you could have thrown into a, a game where they half. didn't game plan for you as the quarterback against a, a top the DJ. Defense. But they run they in, run the same the concepts rain, and shit, right? No, I agree. You could definitely get him in there, but it just. It just it just didn't make sense in that game to put him in at the last second. To All, right. Me. All right, we're going in circles. Can yeah, we talk we about the rest of this Giants uh, organization and what's going on right now? All right, let's let's talk about the uh, the trade deadline because that passed this week, right? Uh, Leonard Williams to Seattle. I assume you're on board with that. Yeah. First of all, I know this probably isn't like the most flattering episode for me, but uh, did you see that I broke that news? Uh, was it? Oh, okay. I, so let's talk about that for a second. Wasn't I did see. The, the perfect I day for see. me to break news was the day I went to the war with the beat reporter. So you knew about it beforehand, before it was announced, you had heard about it. You got, wind yeah. Of it. Oh, I, I, yeah, I had the, I had the details second and a fifth to the point where I was like, I don't know if I believe, like, and the person had given me news before, but I was like a second and a fifth. Like that, that's a great deal. Right. And I know they didn't move it. So as a friend, I'm going to say, why did you not pass that along? Because I've passed news along to you before and you just, you don't, you weren't going to, you, you can't report, you, you can't report a news if I tell you, right? Like you got to go and get it confirmed. Well, I would go talk to people and make sure that that happened. Oh, I figured I'd just report it. Um, I was in a war with the beat reporters, but dude, that's great. That's great value. A second and fifth for a good friend, by the way. I tried to give you news before, and um, you haven't taken it. Like the Nick Gates, Ben Bredesen rotation. Yeah, but that, um, that's news I already knew. But you didn't report it. I did. I reported it when I could report it. Okay. You didn't and like it, when I when I decided to report it. You, they, the, but Danny King know. reported that first. <laughs> um, so, like, Adore didn't get traded, and the same source told me they were looking to um, to move Adore, and I think. No like, takers though, and and they just wasn't interested in Dory, especially it after wasn't. that four p.m. deadline where they could restructure. But I think for Joe Shane, right? And I've always like I know once a GM is hired by a, a team, every, you know nothing they can do no wrong for the first year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like you got you the draft is like at, at the end of the day you I think Joe Shane has great process for the most part. Like you can argue the DJ contract, but I still like I understand that and I was on board with that. But I think his process has been really good. But at the end of the day, being a good GM, a lot of times just comes down how good are you at picking players in the draft. And that's why I kind of love football so much. It's like you could be the smartest guy in the room. Can you can you figure out how good a, a third round linebacker is going to be? Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think he's been the best at is the trades. Like you look at the trades that he's went off, and basically every single one has been solid, right? Like you could even nitpick like the Isaiah Simmons and the Boogie Bastions, but you uh trade what about Waller. I I mean that's a that's like a, a a low risk move for a third round comp pick for a high you know high obviously he's got the injury I'm, now we're talking about results though he's going to be injured now for several weeks is a chance who knows you know we might not see he might end up on uh, IR who knows yeah it's, I guess I guess it depends when we see him but I mean he was second in tight end receiving yards coming into the into this past week um so I mean I and I I like Waller like I'm glad he's I'm I'm glad he's on the team I would still you know as long as he's not I like the process too I think I I'm generally on board with almost all his processes it was just why I also am not but critical. I think the now, trades are where he's on, got the best results right like okay. like selling on Tony right and they tried to do that even beforehand and and tried to hold on to him a little bit um you know trading like trading back from 36 to 43 you end up getting Wandale. Mike McFadden, who's playing really well, and Dane Belton for, you know, dropping back seven spots. 
you know, trading up for Hyatt. The banks trade, I don't love it, but I understand it. Um, so I think trades have been like consistently where he's been the best as a GM. And I think it's because he drives a hard bargain, right? Like they, they, they could have gotten probably something like a six or a seven for a Dory, but they're like, Hey, we, we drive a hard bargain and we may not get this deal done, but we will get a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams when no one expects that. Well, they would have to eat money on, on a Dory Jackson and then get nothing in return, basically. A right. Six, right, a six right. or seven. So is it really worth it at that point? It's a lot. Of, like, you have to give the Giants ownership credit on this. They were willing to basically take that $10 million cash and eat and pay it, right? Now, I understand it's already on the budget for the year, but your owner still has to agree to pay, be paying $10 million for nothing in return, nine plus million dollars, whatever they end up paying on Leonard Williams. So you, you need ownership to agree to that. It's a lot harder to do when it's for a seventh round pick or sixth round pick. And in, in Leonard Williams' case, it's for what, a second and a fifth. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to convince your owners to do it. But I give John Mayer and Steve Tisch credit on that one. So uh, a second rounder, better than you, better than you thought they could get for Leonard Williams. Even I'm, I thought they like at best would be getting like a fourth round pick. Like I said, when I got the, that text, I was shocked. I was like, I kind, I gave like no way, right? But I also wanted to get it out quick. But to get a second, I mean, second round picks are so valuable. Look at the all pros in the NFL, man. A lot of times they come at uh, from the second round. Uh, and that means it gives you more bullets if just in case you end up in a spot where you want to trade up, right? Because we're expecting a top 10 pick, but maybe pick eight doesn't give them the guy that they end up wanting. Um, but like even think about the JMS Jalen Hyatt situation uh, this past draft, right? Where it's like they're making the decision between both and then they have to go and trade, you know, trade their fourth round pick to move up 16 spots. Well, this year you get a top of the second round pick, and then you get that guy who is going to be at 57, which is where like the Seahawks pick will probably be around. And there's always the possibility this team could need as much draft capital as possible if they're high to go get the quarterback that they want. So, yeah. And so second round picks good. are second round picks. Obviously, like you got to hit your first rounders, but this get being good in the second round is what makes great football teams because there there is every year there's going to be stars in the second round can you identify those guys is the question um and if joe shane is going to be a good gm he's going to have to hit on these second round picks so the more that he has the happier so let's finish with this what's left in this season right now like what what are we what are you sitting here looking at are we are we is there any hope that they could at least uh, salvage something and get close to 500 do we just are you just conceding the season's basically over let's just see what we can get out of this offense and daniel if we can get the offensive line going in the right direction what are you looking to accomplish if you're the giants right now so it's one just evaluation of young players but i do think and like and i've said it since uh like you know beginning of 2020 right when they dj was looking really good or beginning of 2021 when dj was looking really good that first quarter games before he got that concussion mm -hmm. is that andrew thomas is the most correlated to Daniel Jones success more so than anybody on the team. And I really think it does because DJ, we saw where like the, when Andrew Thomas was bad and then, you know, that's when he had like his worst stretch of football at the beginning of that year. And then with Nate Solder, he kind of had a fearlessness in there, but he had all the fumbles that year. And I think that was really more correlated to getting hit in his backswing with Nate Solder at left tackle. So I do think Daniel Jones will look more like what we've seen out of DJ the last two years than what we did the first half. My question is, even if we do, right, we were asking to see the field better, like take not just throwing the ball deep on the sideline, right? That's not what we're asking, but like 
using the middle of the field, going, you know, 10 to 15 plus yards down the middle of the field. And now that you have Jalen Hyatt um, and Darius Slayton on the outside, it just opens up so much more, right? Like Darius Slayton has gotten more one-on-one opportunities than he's ever gotten because you have Jalen Hyatt. Like Jalen Hyatt is basically doubled every single play that he goes deep. And if he's not, they are throwing him the ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like those those passes versus the commanders, That's they the weren't idea, even part. At least they weren't even part of the progression. They were just like, oh my gosh, they don't have that safety to the top. Alert, alert! We're throwing the ball deep to him. Obviously, you got to get to create. He's got to get better in that short to intermediate. So that's another thing I'm looking for. As now as high as a starter, can he get better in that? You know, that zero to fifteen yard range as a route runner. Um, but, so yeah, now he, it, but now the offense con- doesn't have Darren Waller for several weeks. Who knows? Two, three, four weeks. Now we're basically back to the offense that it was last year, right? Yeah, they, well, they got to get another blocking tight end, by the way, which is something I've been saying since camp, since Myrick and Tommy Sweeney. Um, both went down as they need to add a second blocking tight end to go there with Daniel Ballinger. Like, I don't, I don't need to see Lawrence Cager, right? Like he's not a Darren Waller replacement and he can't block. Like I, I need, unless you are like a Darren Waller type player, I need my tight ends to have a prerequisite of being able to block because of the thing. Doesn't seem like they're interested in that right now, by the way, which is crazy because they had so much success with it last year, right? Like that was when they were at their best getting in that two tight end play action, Running power, all that uh, stuff, you know. Like you think, think of that Jaguars game. Like you couldn't do that with the personnel that they have right now, and that was probably like the best mix of DJ and Saquon in one game that they had last season. So um, it's just, it's not even about DJ looking better because I really do think he's not. He's more like the player he was 2021 and 22 than he is at the beginning of this season. But playing like that's really not good enough when. They put more on his plate, and he's left open stuff up. He's outside of the offensive line being bad, right? Like this isn't, uh, you know, being blind to some of the offensive line issues that were there. But there was stuff that was left on the plate where last year there wasn't. Like I would go through those games. I know I'm getting long-winded. You know, I do the film reviews, and I'm like, man, this is like astounding that this guy just – there's no mistakes made besides maybe one or two, and even those aren't bad mistakes, um, which is good, but – like you can't be have the lowest average depth of target two years running and now start having the the missed opportunities that he's had this season when the offensive line has held up. So hopefully the yeah, offensive it hasn't what, held up enough, and I think that contributes and to D, it. Like when, when, it, has when it goes can, bad, when it goes bad, he's still thinking it's going. You know, I mean, when it goes good, I'm saying I'm sorry, he's still thinking it's going bad with the offensive line. So it's really hard to be successful when you, the pressure is that relentless and yeah. the line is playing at that level that it was earlier in the year in the state that it was. And that's more on Joe Shane, by the way, than anybody else. Yeah. And we, and we've seen, he can navigate a bad offensive line as long as Andrew Thomas is there. Like he can navigate bad left guard through right tackle play for the most part, but it's when the blind side is not there where he starts. But isn't escaping it different? Isn't stuff. it different when it's bad? And it's just like, Awful. Like without Andrew, oh, yeah, Thomas, they're below the average. At, the well, they're stretch. below average at five positions, especially once Bredesen goes to center. Like they're they're probably bad at five positions. It was it was untenable, I think. And like we saw what happened with Tyrod Taylor in this past game when they're playing like a really good defense. Like it, it would be really hard to sustain any sort of consistent offense with the offensive line in the state that it's in. Yeah, and I. The Jets, def- the coverages I thought were actually better than their pass rush on Sun be- before Tyrod Taylor. Like they just, they gave you like looks pre snap and then they just closed out everything that you had. Kind of similar to what the 49ers did 
Um, they're and good at solves. all three levels. That's why they're really good. They're gonna they're a really good defense. They're gonna be a top five defense. There's no doubt in my mind. When the year yeah. ends, they're really good. And with the Giants like line and their weapons and their quarterback, like they they would they could play them ten times. They're not gonna have consistent offenses success in like nine out of the ten games. Yeah. So again, it's it's can they. Can they look? Can DJ look good doing like more complex stuff um, that than he's done, right? And again, that's not just throwing deep to the sidelines. Like that's not where we're asking for. It's taking advantage of the middle of the field, moving guys with your eyes. Which he just he he had some bad misses in the beginning of the season, right? And I have do have some sympathy because of that offensive line. But when it's when it's there, it's there. Um, yeah, he didn't play well, so it would have been nice to see it with uh, you know better supporting cast around him. So. All right, we have to end on there. No more calling me uh, D Watt. All right. Yeah, even that was kind of a corny name, anyway. I got to think. I, I, I think that's why it was funny, because it, it, I thought it was funny because it, it was such, that's such an out of nowhere word. That, hey, who uses that? Well, I kind of regretted it, right? Be- immediately, not because like to offend you. That's the least thing I'm worried about. But I was like, oh no, god, now people. It was all the like the mentions, like man, that you're going a little too far. And then so I, I finally re- I replied to someone. I was like, I'm allowed to cuss at him. I like him. <laughs> um so yeah so, i don't, uh, don't yeah certainly i'm not offended by it and i'm just joking around so yeah so which other reporter can i do that to uh it depends on you gotta have that relationship right right and don't it's don't like you, it's it, like it i have relationships i don't know i don't, yeah, guys, I don't, right? know, I don't know what we have a relationship with arc, arc's like, like too nice right like i couldn't it, like you know it's like art i think it nice. would hurt art or it would hurt art to the core like he he wouldn't want to be called a D Wad on social media. That would, that would, yeah. See, him. you, me, and you are kind of similar where we're both assholes. So it's like, okay, yeah, we, we like exactly. people being assholes too. Uh, yeah. Or I guess we, the, you know, the joke A-holes. is that the, it's fine. You know, the joke is that uh, everybody always like I, they always joke that I can get along in the locker rooms with all the D Wads because like I can relate to them. You know, like, so you, I'm in that category. Like, and, I, and I embrace that. That's fine. And it is what it is. I lack empathy. Yeah. I'm not a particularly great person. I'm loyal as hell, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a super nice person. Like I, I am who I am. I own it. We got Landon Collins back last year. Justin Pugh back this year. Who are you waiting for to come back next year in the locker room? Well, oh yeah, that's another thing. You guys gross me out with all posting Justin Pugh's T-shirt links. Schefter did it too. I mean, it's a guy. It's it was a funny. It's a funny little line. I, like I know. It. I know. It's you know what he wants to make a little you know a little business and. I should build, we should build make himself those up, build himself up. So he was, uh, you know, has a good post playing career. I you want know, him to have a really good game. I, I, so I can ask him to come on the offensive line report. Uh, well, we haven't talked yet. Well, but, I think so. it's coming up because he's about to move into left guard. I believe he's got good technique and footwork. He's just, I mean, left tackle. It's a, it's a tough ask for him. By the way, how much do you think he weighs right now? Dude, he looks thin. I mean, he's definitely the thinnest offensive lineman they have. I mean, he might be the smallest offensive lineman I've seen. In the NFL, since I started covering, he might be two seventy five. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shows with his foot speed. But yeah, he, he said he, 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 gets, he said he's he gets playing. bullied here and there. He said he's been playing at two eighty five the last few years. So yeah, it, it, it's him. But uh, guard is uh, he's obviously a better guard than he is a tackle at this point in his career, right? Uh, so he's, think, he's always been a guard, anyways. Well, not always. When he first came into the league, he played. He played. He played tackle when he first came into the league. Yeah, but he got a, like he got a contract as a guard. That's when his best yes. football has always been played. Yeah, so he, him moving back to guard, I think you're going to see a better version of him. And think about it: the Giants' line with Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Pugh at left guard, JMS at center, Bredesen or 
uh, at right guard or, you know, Glowinski. That's the thing. What do you do with Bredesen and Glowinski? Or do you bench Justin Pugh? Because you can make the argument that Pugh and Glowinski are, Glowinski's been a little better. Glowinski's been playing weeks. really well, actually, the last couple of weeks. This is, might be the best he's played since he joined the team. He stonewalled Deron Payne. He's likely like, the odd man it. out, though. At that, Pugh at, or Glowinski? Well, I'm guessing Glowinski. Okay. Yeah, as Pugh long as they don't, as Pugh long as Bredesen is not sit the on odd the man bench. out, that Pugh will drive me nuts. Pugh didn't come sit here on a bench, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's not going to come here and sit on the bench and be happy. Like, he, he could just go home and retire. Yeah. So, I think he came in with the impression, and they didn't think Lewinsky was playing at a starting caliber level at the time. That will be easy just to put him at starting left guard. So, I think that's the first crack. at And then, Evan Neal, cross your fingers, right tackle. I don't know what, I don't know at this point, but. I'm just glad McKeithen's not having to play anymore. Yeah, he was quietly the worst of the bunch by a wide he margin. He had so many mental mistakes where I'm like, oh, my God. you're Like, remember the whole Evan Neal versus the Dolphins? Like, he didn't block this guy. So yeah. everyone was arguing, like, oh, well, the quarterback has to throw hot. And I was like, okay, if Evan Neal got this right, which I think he did, McKeithen totally screwed this up. And no, it felt like no one was talking about it. I felt I was losing my mind. I did, like, a 10-minute rant on the offensive line <laughs> report of, like, why are we talking about QB versus Neal when it's, this guy totally screwed it up if what everyone is saying is right, which is right. Well, Marcus McKeithen was not uh, the seventh overall pick. That's why. That's why, Bobby. That's fair. That, I mean, that, that's why, you know, you're not going to sit there and pick on Marcus McKeithen, who, by the way, missed his whole rookie year. And look, I'm making a defense for McKeithen. I think he was actually really bad when he played. Uh, like he's 67. Well, he had a lot of 67. He's 67th out of 67 in pass block win rate for guards. Like dead last. Out of every single yeah. guard in the NFL. Like That's he, not he, a real stat, but you don't want to be laughing he was at it anyways. It is a real stat. But look, it, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean he, you know, he's a great player or, or bad player either way. But it's you're comparing him with a stat that's graded the same way for every single player, and he came out with the worst of all grades. Can't be good. It can't be good. So all right, all Bobby. Right. All right. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Let's do it again. Hey, next time, maybe we should keep the feud going longer. What do you think? No, I actually hate that because when I want to come on here, I actually want to just talk Giants football and not like settle <laughs> our own beef. Oh, um, come so on. We, we need to. This is an entertainment business, Bobby. Play along. Yeah, I know. This is ESPN. We got to do that type of stuff sometimes. So I, never mind. I was going to make like a McAfee or you take, you take You take a, a shot at ESPN on your way out. Come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, Wrong I won't. Platform. I'm not going to. I'm saying I will not make. You already did. Make any jokes. You already you did. Think. All right, let's end it there before you get get me in more trouble. Thanks a lot. On to the next one. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. 
Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, there we go. That was Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. I don't think we really even got anywhere. We just really danced around and, and ran around in circles. Uh, nobody, we didn't really come to a resolution. But uh, I stand by where what I believe in regards to playing Daniel Jones. I just didn't think that would be a good idea. And I thought the Giants all week, by the way, really that was part of the decision and why they were slow playing and delaying it, is that they didn't want Daniel Jones in that game environment. It just wasn't a good game environment to bring him back. All right, so let's wrap up this episode with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And this week, you know, in a couple days, going to Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. That's right. The New York Giants are playing the Raiders. Nobody's going to care about the game. Nobody outside of Giant fans, diehard Giant fans, diehard Raider fans is going to watch the game. It's on at the same time as the Eagles-Cowboys. The rest of the nation is going to be watching that, dissecting that. But I will be there. Allegiant Stadium. And it's notable for me because this completes the NFL Stadium Tour for me. Probably for a couple of Giants uh, reporters as well. You know, probably Art Stapleton. I'm not sure if Tom Rock is going. Uh, Paul Schwartz. Maybe even Duggan and Pat, Dan Duggan and Pat Leonard. That this could, this is, if you've been covering the team for the last six, seven years, pretty much the only stadium we haven't been to. Obviously, it's new. Giants haven't played in the Raiders. And it was actually the last time the Giants did play in the Raiders, 2016, was the Geno Smith game. Geno Smith, Eli Manning, benching game. So they weren't in Vegas yet, obviously. Now they are. So this will complete the tour. Every stadium in the NFL, there's only 30 stadiums, even though there's 32 teams, because the Chargers uh, and the Rams and the Giants and the Jets, they both share a stadium. But I'm interested to see what Allegiant Stadium is like. You know, a weekend in Vegas, there's worse things to do. The game, blah, you know, it's going to be, a, it's not going to be a pretty game. Aiden O'Connell starting for the Raiders who happened to fire everybody the other day after their Monday night debacle. So uh, really an opportunity for the Giants to win, even if it's an ugly game with Daniel Jones back, Andrew Thomas likely back in better shape overall. So we'll see if they can get something going in Vegas. But I'm just kind of excited to check this off the list, see what it's about. I haven't been to Vegas in a really long time. If I remember right, I'm trying to think it's my bachelor party, which at this point is like 15 years ago. Now, so I haven't been to Vegas in a long time. So good trip, complete the stadium tour. And uh, with that, we're going to end this episode of Breaking Blue. I'll give you a report actually next week on what I think of this stadium and then re-rank my top five stadiums in the NFL because I haven't done that in a while. Uh, we'll see if, I believe last time I did it, that the Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium, was number one on my list. We'll see if it can retain the top spot. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.